Hey, this is Chris. Before we start, I just want to take the opportunity to truly thank our sponsor, Zupan's Markets, for not only sticking with us and sponsoring these Right at the Moment podcasts for Right at the Fork, but for also being with us for many years now. I think we're going on three or four four years that Zupans has sponsored us, and Court and I are not only proud to have businesses like Zupans and Ringside Steakhouse and Toro Bravo sponsor the podcast. They're truly the perfect sponsors for our podcast. But also, uh, we're, we're, we love patronizing them, too. So these are truly businesses that we can stand behind and endorse and feel happy to tell you about. Uh, so regarding Zupans, a lot of you need to go grocery shopping. As you know, it's kind of a tenuous time to do so. So Zupans, um, I had gone a few weeks ago. I will tell you that between, I don't mean to ruin it, but between 7 and 8 o'clock, uh, there was barely anybody in the store. So it was a good time to go. But, um, but rest assured, Zupans is committed to serving you throughout these times. They've been working tirelessly to serve you. And each day these folks show up, of course, they probably don't want to be around anyone, but they're showing up to work ready to stock the shelves, clean the stores, and provide support and a listening ear for each customer that walks in the door. So um, they have asked us to communicate with you that uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to be especially friendly to those associates who are coming into work now. Um, limit your shopping. It makes absolutely, they, they're asking one to two shoppers. I don't see why you need more than one shopper to go in. Uh, and get the uh, get the groceries for your family. Also, uh, try to plan as best as possible to make the shopping trip as efficiently as possible. It's really not a wise idea to go in for one or two items every day or every other day or every few days. Try to go in as little as possible. It seems odd to have a sponsor <laughs> and have us promote to you, please don't go in the store too much, but obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense right now to make multiple visits uh, when you go in. If you're using a reusable bag, um, they're going to ask you to bag your own groceries. And of course, the big one is if you have any symptoms of any illness, if you're coughing, then please uh, have some good judgment not to go into the store to um, to possibly uh, pass on whatever you have, whatever it may be, to those valued employees at Zupans. So that being said, here we go. Hello, you are tuned in to the Right at the Fork podcast. Portland's Food Scene Podcast, and for the time being, we are calling this series Right at the Moment, whereby we're talking to folks in the hospitality industry in Portland to see how they're adjusting, how they're coping, and in some cases, even coming up with new ideas that they're going to move forward with. Um, 
after the coronavirus uh, subsides. We don't know exactly when it's going to end. My name is Chris Angelus, and I am recording from my home, and I am not able to be with my co-host, Court Johnson, who uh, is still with us and doing a yeoman's job collecting these files that I send to him um, and posting them up to your favorite podcast sites in order for you to hear them. Um, we are doing this in rudimentary fashion. Certainly there are better ways to record podcasts remotely with two people on a phone, uh, but we've decided that in face of all that's going on for these folks that are our interviewees, um, the last thing they need to deal with is more technology and the possibility of it failing. So rather than play around with some apps that um, we think could sound a little better than this does, because all I'm doing is I've got uh, my guest, in this case, Nate Snell from Pips Original and also now Community Chai. Um, on the other side, on a speakerphone, as I record it with another cell phone. So thank you to Samsung, uh, both of my phones, um, for the technology. But eventually we'll be back in a studio, and eventually, if we continue this, we'll find different ways to record it. But um, in this particular episode, I don't think Nate was as quite as clear as some of our other guests, but you can still hear him, and we hope that you bear with us as we work through the coronavirus, um, as it's affecting our podcast as well. So um, this is a great story. Nate has been on our podcast before. Um, just go to our search button at writeatthefork.com and put in Nate Snell, Pip's original, and you will find that episode. Um, he has been doing a, an incredible job with his donut business. Actually, it's Nate and his wife, Jamie, and their great team over there, whom they value very much. Um, they've been doing a great job uh, in Portland, um, serving some of the best donuts available. And really popular place with lines outside the door. And his, as he will explain in this podcast, there, there was very tough for them to close the doors when they had people supporting them down the block as the coronavirus hit and restaurants started deciding to alter their offerings and even closing, which is what Pips did. And from that sprouted a new business, something they'd been thinking about for quite a while, uh, bottling their delicious chai and making it into a concentrate that people could order and pick up at Pips. And eventually, now that they've actually started this, um, eventually you'll be able to find it um, uh, in your grocery store and also at Pips. So we talked to Nell, Nell, we talked to Nate Snell this morning about um, how that came about, how he's coping, his thoughts on what he's done in the past to help sustain his business and what things look like in the future. And uh, I hope the next time that I see Nate, it's uh, together over something other than a phone. And um, he's a really great guy and also has a band called Pacific Latitudes. I've uh, certainly tuned that in on my Spotify and enjoy their music. It's really nice. I find it very relaxing and 
good background music in my home. So check that out. Nate's band, which is very important to him as well. But check out this podcast, this interview with Nate Snell of Pips Original and now Community Chai on Right at the Fork. Hey, Nate. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Trying to recharge my phone and work the knot out of my neck now. (laughs) I'm sure there are a few reasons for knots. I appreciate your taking the time. It's good to catch up with you. Sorry it's under these circumstances. Absolutely, and likewise. Yeah, so... Knowing that you're pretty savvy with technology, you'll pr- you might find it amusing that we've decided we're just, for the time being, as long as we're holed up in our homes, doing the podcast using a phone on speakerphone and another one recording it, because we're talking to a lot of very busy people, and we found that asking them to get involved with Skype technology, recording files and sending them leads us to the... Uh, strong possibility of technical errors and wasting everybody's time with interviews. So that that's absolutely. pardon me. It said absolutely understand. Yeah, we think people understand that the quality of the um, transmission isn't quite what it wa- what it should be, but it and will be soon, hopefully. So the quality of your life isn't what it should be and will be at some point. We assume. Tell us what you've been doing at um, at Pips um, with your community chai. Yeah, well, you know, it was like everyone. The bottom kind of fell out a lot faster than anyone had anticipated. We had been in emergency meetings, you know, the week of the, basically the week of the 12th is where we really started seeing things going downhill, and we had been in emergency uh, meetings just trying to figure out what we were going to do once business fell off. You know, we had a list of who we were going to be able to keep, and I was going to be going back onto the floor full-time, and uh, we were just kind of figuring out there, and then it turned out to be the complete opposite. We actually had way too much business. Lines all the way down the block with people who were determined to keep pips open any way they could, and of course, any way they could meant eating lots of donuts and drinking lots of chai. Well, that's some comfort food, too. And this was before uh, everyone was told to keep a six-foot social distance, correct? Correct. But the writing was definitely on the wall. And we had contingency plans in place for if business, you know, was to, to tank because of the economy or whatever. And that's the direction we thought we were going in. Right. So, but you quickly learned it was going, it was accelerating, um, and you had to do something. So what did you do in the time before you developed a plan and from the time that you realized you had to close? Well, I couldn't get a haircut, so I pulled my own hair out, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I look like a baby eagle. And uh, after pulling our hair out, we just kind of pivoted and said, you know, we're small business owners. We've been through a lot. From, you know, we just recovered from a car crashing through the front window. The universe was giving me a message. It was saying, Nate, this is your opportunity for a drive-thru. And I didn't listen to it. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, that's a, that's a fun way to get a drive-through. I would I would <laughs> certainly suggest you contact a contractor before you go for the quick the quick fix. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> you know, we we pivoted. We sat down and we thought, well, you know, what value do we have to bring to the community? How can we be giving back? Uh, and how can we keep our business going? And how do those things align into at least a short-term plan to get us through this time? And we ended up thinking, you know, we have never sold any of our merchandise online, and people have been clamoring for it for years. So first order of business, get everything online. Second order of business, figure out a way to bottle our chai, because people have been asking for bottled chai for years as well. So how do we satisfy a demand that has been existing but just doesn't exist in the moment? And that's where we pivoted to. So... Uh, you know, I blasted out an email to 10,000 of the contacts that we had accumulated over the last few years in Square, letting them know what the situation was with our shop and letting them know that they could purchase chai candles, T-shirts, gift certificates, decals, etc. And from that one email blast alone, we got a huge boost of revenue. So from that point, I reached out to Portland Bottling Company and said, hey, you know, folks, do you guys have any type of containers we can use for bottling the chai? And they said, yeah, we have all of these great Boston round 16-ounce containers that we don't use for the coconut water that we were doing for a while. And we'll sell them to you for cheap. So we bought them. We started bottling the chai. We listed it for sale, and it sold out within minutes. We're now on our... How did you go about developing labels? And I mean, you can't, it's not just a matter of bottling it. And then don't you have some other considerations for the health department for bottling some of your product? I don't know. I'm just asking as a layperson. Of course. Yeah, five years ago, we had thought this was the direction we were going in. So we went through the whole process, um, went down, got all the ingredients, now labeled out, went through the test, scientific test kitchen that they have. And then it turned out we didn't go that direction because we couldn't keep up with demand in our own shop, and we didn't want to open up a bottling kitchen at that point. So we were kind of already prepared. It was just five years in the making. Um, got on Uline.com, ordered up tags. Jamie handwrites all the tags out and laser printed the rest of the labels, got bags, stamped them up, and we're off and running. Wow, that's pretty quick. Yeah, well, you know. Like I said, we're small business owners. We're savvy. We're hustlers. Uh, we're used to scrapping it out. You know, if anything, the last few years of business with having so much business was really kind of an abnormal reality for us. So getting back to this reality of living paycheck to paycheck and scrapping it out seems a lot more normal to the trajectory of the rest of our previous life. Yeah. So, well, I'm just curious, and it's not my business, really, but so if business was so, uh, was you had so much business for so many years, you didn't, did you have a, um, you know, did you have a war chest put, put aside so that when this happened, you wouldn't be in panic mode? Yeah, we definitely have an emergency fund. You know, we have two funds that we've set up aside. One is an emergency fund for a rainy day. In case something like this happens and we need a little nest egg. And the other one is to support other businesses that find themselves in similar position. You know, we've been able to bail out food carts over the years that have come to the brink of extinction during the wintertime, writing them a check with, you know, literally no repayment plan necessary, helping them to overcome and thrive. So we had these two things and we thought, well, 
you know, it's time to combine the two. <laughs> so um, that enabled us to get through, you know, obviously the big hurdle of having to pay payroll right on the 16th when we closed. You know, a lot of people think that just because you're popular, it means you've got a lot of money. And really, the fact is, when you're popular, all of your expenses increase exponentially, and you're still operating on a razor-thin profit margin, especially since we pay people a living wage and all the other things that we do for our employees. Right. So that, in that state, you know, and that emergency fund got, got uh, depleted fairly quickly. And also, you know, you have, it's not like you have multiple locations, which, by the way, presents a whole different set of challenges in addition to opportunities. But you only have one location, so you do have, unless you come up with new products like bottled chai, you do have a ceiling. You only have so many hours in a day, and you're open, uh, you know, your hours were always uh, uh, changing from what I saw. You probably arrived at something in the last few years. But you only have so many hours in a day and so many donuts you can produce, so many cups of coffee and chai you can serve. So there is a limit to what your business can do at PIPS until you go online and you start expanding, you know, to different opportunities. But you are, it is a small mom and pop, you are the definitive example of a mom and pop uh, shop. And um, so it's very interesting to watch, you know, the, the, um, progression of everything that you've gone through from when you opened to, you know, making some adjustments along the way. And here you are now. And no one ever, you could have had a, a fun put aside for a rainy day. This is a storm. This is beyond a rainy day. Absolutely. Yeah, we thought we knew rain in Portland. We didn't know it yet. And it's ironic that it's, you know, 75 degrees out right now, too. And it's completely shut down. Yeah. Chris, we have been positioning ourselves unconsciously or consciously for something like this to happen. And when I say unconsciously, I mean gifting people a dozen birthday donuts. We're talking in the hundreds of thousands now. Every weekend day, we would give away upwards of 70 to 80 dozen free birthday dozen. That paid into a holistic insurance program with people building goodwill to the degree I don't think any other business in Portland has been able to achieve. So when you know, the proverbial shit hit the fan. We had thousands of people that were standing by that would make sure pets not only survived, but survived to thrive. Did you anticipate when you put the, when you instituted the birthday donuts that it would have such an, a positive impact? You know, I can see a lot of big corporations having meetings saying, okay, we started this and we're giving away X number over a weekend. We, we have to figure out a way to pare it down. You know, and that's where the bean counters fall flat when they run into issues like this that affect everyone, is that we believe in simple karma. When you pay good into someone's life, that at some point in time, that's going to pay dividends in the future. I thought it's going to be great. To I love ferals. I grew up with ferals. I love celebrating birthdays with ferals when I was a kid. That made a huge impact on me. Um, and that type of generosity that they showed when they gifted you, you know, not only free stuff at your birthday, but came out and sang to you as a child, that was really impactful to me. And I just wanted to recreate that type of experience for people growing up with our donut shop over the years, knowing that through word of mouth and creating a positive experience, people were going to talk about our shop and come back to experience it more. I mean, that's the ultimate goal of advertising, right? It's to get people to come into your shop, have a great experience, go tell other people, and then come back. And what better way to build on that by giving away a dozen birthday donuts? So in one way, yes. 
anticipated it would have a positive impact in the best way, but in another way, no, I didn't anticipate that in a worldwide pandemic, it would ultimately end up being the thing which saved our shop. You think that's it? it you, you can point to that as, yes, I guess you just did. You just described that as the reason or the, the, new, the, the foundation for... Well, everybody's suddenly about community, not competition now. We've been about it for eight years. That's a, that right. is a reality. We have lived in action. Right. We have colors aside in order to live out that value in our community. So now when, you know, everybody is required to rely on each other, everybody understands the value of that concept. And I think it's a beautiful opportunity. Right. Well, we're built, for, Portland is built for that because it was one of the things when, you know, I had just moved here that really was, it took me a little while to learn it, but it impressed me how everybody was, um, endorsing each other and supporting each other and there are a lot of collaborations or certainly more so now so what you've been doing just embodies that and part of what you're doing when you're selling your bottled chai is giving a percentage of those profits to those in need you know i see folks like carlo la magna going online with a gofundme account nick zukin and, you know, those those first started coming online when I was trying to figure out my shit and how I'm going to go forward. And and I thought that just like you did, I thought the only thing I can do, I can't afford this, but I have to I have to throw some money in the karma bank, if nothing else. So I started contributing. I just contributed to uh, the Toro Bravo situation last night. Um, because I just feel like if you give, it's gonna, it's gotta come back in some way. And that's not completely selfish. Of course, I know there are, we all know there are people who are worse off than we are. So you got, I mean, you, you got to play that made, game. We made a stamp for our donut boxes, um, the second week that we opened it, it said generosity is a gift that we can all afford to give. Mm-hmm. But if you take it down just to the smallest degree, there's always someone who has less than you have. It's just a matter of perspective. It's a matter of context, and it's a matter of degree. You know, with that in mind, everybody can afford to give something to someone who needs it. Right. It can be simple as a smile. It can be as, you know, you know financially impactful as $1,000. But our last meal was at Magna. We sat down with Carlo, Chef Carlo, Jamie, and I sat at the, you know, at the chef's counter. He made us. We just gave him carte blanche to make us whatever he wanted. That was the last meal we had before this all went downhill, and it was only about a week before it really hit. We had a great time, and so the first person I thought of when I instituted the 10% of all chai sales go to support another local food service business was Magna. So we gifted him, and then we said, hey, who do you know that could really use a little bit of a, you know, a little lift up in this next round of chai that we sell? And he said, Kim John Grillen. So we gifted to Kim Jong Grill, and I asked Han, who do you know? You know, he said, JoJo PDX, they're on the front line serving first responders and medical workers. Mm-hmm. So we, and they came and got shy, and I asked them, hey, who do you know? He said, Mata. We did Mata. They came and got shy. We hung out. I said, who do you know? And he said, Gracie's Pizza. So Gracie's Pizza is the one that we're going to be donating 10% to from the chai sales tomorrow. Is it a daily thing or a weekly thing? That's going to be a lot for you to keep up with changing every day on that. Uh, no problem. It's uh, We basically do it twice a week. We open it up for sale on Tuesday at 8 a.m. 
for pickup Wednesday at Pets from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And we open it up for sales Friday at 8 a.m. for pickup Saturday at Pets from 10 a.m. to 1 uh, p.m. And so twice a week. Are you selling out? Within minutes. Wow. You mean within minutes online. So so you've got reservations for everything that needs to be picked up ahead of time. Yeah, basically we don't open it up to pre-sales. It's just it's on 8 a.m. like first come, first serve. Whoever's ready gets it. You know, we've been um, really fortunate. 200 bottles of chai twice a week at $19 a bottle. Our overhead is draft, drastically diminished because it's pretty much just Jamie and I doing it together. Mm -hmm. So we're... That money, the value of a dollar actually means more of a dollar to us than it ever has before. Right. Well, that is fantastic. And anybody else you know in town that you can cite is doing some great things. That we've we've talked to a few on the podcast. Stone Soup, um, Craig Gerard, they're doing some fantastic things. You know, we um, the the Gorums were so kind to have sponsored the podcast. So we started out. An episode with John, and he was pretty grim about his own his own um, future in terms of the whole Toro Bravo Group. That's a lot of restaurants that were very successful that have pretty significant rent. And as I've watched them over the past three weeks, everything they're doing, they started out just trying to feed hungry people and making sure their people could eat. And that's, you know, that's something that's very hard to do when you're trying to figure out your own business's survival. But they've evolved, too. So they're doing some things where you can buy meals for other people through their restaurants. So they're realizing they can make some revenue. And you can make some revenue doing what you're doing. My cousin in San Francisco is the first one I saw who was allowing people to buy sandwiches for hospital workers. And he was delivering them. So, yeah, it's a... It's a pretty interesting thing what's going on. What do you, how do you think, you think you're still going to make the chai when business returns to something resembling normal? Oh, we're not just going to make it. We launched an entire new company out of this. This is, we're in it to win it. If you've looked at any of the news interviews that we've given recently, New York Times is going to be doing one next week as well. Um, this is a company. This is a going interest, and we're going to keep it going. We wanted to do it. The universe gave us an opportunity, so we're all in. Oh, so this is not just a bridge for you. This is a, this is a new birth from uh, the fire, so to speak. This is, a, this is a new company under our corporate umbrella, the S-Core that we have. It's Community Chai, and it is its own thing just as much as Pips Original is, Pips Mobile, my recording studio, um, our catering company. It is a new division of our company. Oh, that is fantastic. So I wonder how, am I able to get any out here in Manzanita, to, or do I have to risk my life right now to come into Portland to get it? Oh, I wouldn't suggest risking your life, but <laughs> our demand is so high just locally, we're not looking at shipping options at this time, but we're looking at other retail options for a wider distribution network. New Seasons is one of the folks that we're talking to about that. Sure, I bet I bet you the people at Zupans would be interested too. You got a really quality product as well. Something beautiful about spending almost eight years building a brand and then taking the time to do other things. You know, we did that with the Pipsmobile. We were a going concern for several years before we decided to roll that out at Feast. And because we had built credibility and desire when we rolled out the Pipsmobile, we were booked everywhere. So it's the same type of a thing, you know, in our. A lot of people think we're nuts because we didn't franchise, we didn't expand. You know, but I think that 
us living out our values and sticking to our guns has really paid dividends during this time. You know, we lived it out before it was a matter of survival. And people are recognizing that being generous and collaborating and working together to serve those who are needy in a time when their survival is, is at stake, is, <laughs> it, it really levels the playing field, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's, I think, uh, yeah, I love hearing your story because I know it's, oh, it's always based on uh, a lot of savvy and a lot of generosity, yet still you want to have a sustainable business and support your employees. I know you've gone out of your way to do that. So um, so how do people, is it on the PIPS, what is the PIPS website? Tell us all, tell everybody how to uh, find your chai, get it. You just sort of did, but specifically speaking. And then... Yeah, right at the top of the Pips Original, www.pipsoriginal.com website, there's a link to our online store. Um, you can also get it in the bio, uh, link in the bio of Instagram and Facebook. And we have a community chai, which is just community chai on Instagram as well. Through those three places, they funnel into our online store where people can purchase chai, t-shirts, candles, so on and so forth. Nice. So, um, are you having? Do you have a little bit of a uh, a donut, Jones? Are you are you are you looking forward to getting back to the fryer? The wonderful thing about being the owner and having the donut machine right here is I can make them up for myself whenever I want, and we have. <laughs> We've actually been making eight uh, eight hundred donuts every Tuesday for new seasons. They've just been buying them to give to their workers, so we take them out in boxes. And they give them out as a show of appreciation for their workers. So it's, uh, I still have an opportunity each week to try a donut. And it's probably just the great ratio of 49 years old to donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so how, so this is the, the $64,000 question, which, by the way, should now be the $64 million question. Things have changed since that was a big value. But um, the $64 million question, Nate, what is your favorite Pips original donut? If you only could have one more donut or one box of a half dozen, which would it be that you've made since you've started? Because you change the varieties seasonally and periodically. There's no better donut in the entire world than the local raw honey and Jacobson pink Hawaiian sea salt. I'll put that donut up against any other donut in the entire world. All right, I will. I'm looking forward to. I know I've had that. I just haven't. Uh, I haven't been in a while, and I need to refresh my taste buds with that soon. So, I hope. Uh, what do you think? When do you think it's going to be? What's your outlook? We, no one knows, but what do you think right now? When do you think you're going to be open again under some normal circumstances? You know, it's hard to imagine going back to normal after this, but human, the human capacity for um, resilience has proven itself time and time again. Things start up really intense, and then gradually after a time they go back to a light level of normalcy. I mean, look at 9-11, for, an, for instance, for an example. You know, the travel restrictions were incredibly intense for, I guess it was about, a, really about a solid year, and then just incrementally things started to kind of, you know, quote-unquote normalize. So with that in mind, I think what's going to take place, or what's going to happen, or what's going to have to happen, is that they come up with a vaccine and everyone's going to have to get vaccinated. And that's going to take time. There's a huge, you know, uh, uh, you know, hurdle to overcome to get that to people locally. But until they can say with certain that people are vaccinated against this and they do not 
and they no longer have the ability to spread it, I don't think we're going to start seeing things get back to normal until that happens. And I think that could be some time away. That's scary. I, I was hoping it was going to be before then. but um, Well, what do you think? I mean, do you really think that uh, outside of a vaccination made available to everyone, this is going to even get back to normal if there's a potential I don't, spread it? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very aware that once people start socializing the way they were, the opportunity for spreading it is another wave or another two is there. Um, right. So, so I'm trying to go to like work, you know, like pragmatic reality, not, you know, flash in the pan, hopeful thinking. I'm just trying to look at this logically and say, and you know, if you can still spread the flu, but everyone's inoculated against it. So you're not going to die from it. But until everyone's inoculated against COVID-19 and the coronavirus, it's not going to go back to normal. That's my prediction. Right. On the other hand, not everybody gets a flu shot. So... That's true, but we have herd immunity because we've had inoculation and it's been in existence for so long. We don't have that with this one yet. Right, yeah, exactly. So, no, I don't know. I'm a little wishful. You know, I do, one of my livelihoods is um, is doing trips, and we just canceled a trip to Spain that we were leaving for in a couple of days, so that's been canceled and not, very, not a lot of fun. Um, and we've had every one of our, all of my studio clients have canceled every one of our, like, we're canceled. We had wedding season booked up for our PIP span completely solid, and one by one, we're losing every single one of those clients as well. Yeah. So, I would like it to go, I would like to say it's otherwise, but I think plan for the worst, prepare for the worst, and be ready to pivot if something changes for the better. That's kind of where we're living. Yeah, well, I've done a couple of pivots in my life, but on this one, um, yeah. yeah, a couple. And uh, this one's been a little challenging, but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to travel at some point because I also think people are going to need that. Just like they're going to need a donut someday, they're going to need to get away. And so, um, uh, I'm, yeah, I am a little hopeful, but I, it's hard for me to predict. Right now, you know, we have things scheduled, and uh, I'm not ready to make calls on those at that this point. But, um yeah, let's hope that we can get back to some semblance of normalcy soon, and then, and then, uh, you know, maybe new opportunities for people. So yeah, you, I hope we can get back to normality, but I hope that it's never business as usual again. I hope people have recognized the importance of cherishing things that they once took for granted, and I hope they'll recognize that we are a lot stronger when we all work together towards the common good, as opposed to just you know, like needlessly competing against each other. And I think it's interesting the curtain has been pulled back on what restaurants really deal with. And like I said before, just because someone seems popular, it doesn't mean that they're actually thriving economically. It only takes one thing to take down McMinniman, you know, to take down Gorham's Restaurant Group, to take down you know North Fork and Blue Hour and all of those. You know, that's all it took for them to say, hey, we can't even pay you guys your full paycheck. Yeah, no, it didn't take long. It, we could it see, long. We could see it really quickly, and John was very transparent about yeah. that. We're going to speak to Renee. She's, uh, she's, they've got a new program, and we'll ask about that. But the first week this happened, John, I believe, said that there was about three weeks of money until it was all out. So with razor-thin margins, and, you know, you can't point to... Before this, you can't point to uh, any other restaurant group and think they were more successful than all of John's rest 
Gorham's restaurants in Portland. And yeah, you're right. It pulled back the, it's not anything clandestine, but wow, they're operating on thin margins and they just have to keep that train running to survive. Absolutely. Yeah. If money's not coming in, you're done. I mean, it's as simple as that. You predicate your whole business model on having a certain level of business to support the infrastructure that has gradually built up as a result of being busy. Right. As soon as it come in, like, the whole thing is, I mean, blocks the foundation for the entire business. Well, let's see if some of these loan programs actually come through. They, some of them sound pr promising or helpful, but uh, I think I haven't heard anybody yet who's, had, who's gotten a check for anything yet. So. <laughs> we immediately, like, when we were just, when we were so scared, we were running scared, the first thing I did was sign up for the SBA loan, which was one of the first ones that really came online, you know, available. Um, and literally, we haven't heard anything. I got a status update like three weeks ago almost that said we received your application. It's under review. Since then, the entire site collapsed. They won't let you even log in anymore. Nobody responds to phone calls. Nobody responds to emails. Is so, that, um, was that the disaster relief? Not the PPP, the original disaster relief? Uh, SBA, Small Business Association, federally, you know, federally backed um, disaster program. For right. Yeah, I just heard this morning, Nate, that if you applied before March 30th, you have to reapply. So <laughs> we applied literally the, 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 you know, we sat down with our staff, we took them a Mexican meal, we shared a feast together, we told them that we were letting, you know, putting them on furlough so that they could immediately get on unemployment. And that night, I went and filled out that application. Yeah, so well, that's, I just... That's interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody, you're the first person to tell me. Yeah, <laughs> no, I just learned it on Facebook this morning, and I'm asking these people, where did you get that information? Wow, and it took three days for it to actually go through, you know? I mean, it was like a process because the site kept crashing, but once I finally got it in, I got all my documents together, I uploaded them successfully, and now you're telling me... I've got to reapply. I don't oh, even crap. I don't even remember being asked for any documents, just numbers. And I don't remember getting an email. I just got a confirmation number that I printed out. That's all I have. And there's yeah, no way to for, Pardon me? For the last they asked for the last year's completed tax returns to verify income and then they asked for a certain I think it was a 1049 form which is specific to that particular loan process. I didn't, so, no, I, I, no, I didn't get that. It was just give us your cost of sales and your, your, uh, I mean, not your cost of sales, your, yes, cost of goods sold and your revenue numbers. Those were, that was it. And how many employees we had. So wow. it's, yeah. it's, uh, but again, I have yet to hear anybody say, Hey, I got a check. Not even for the $1,200 stimulus payment no one's gotten that either so i haven't heard of i haven't heard of that nor have i seen that myself either so you know i i kind of thought like on an interesting way i thought you know what if the thing is to resolve itself quickly you know we've seen the numbers drop dramatically versus what they originally projected even as early as just last week they were saying you know from the original you know 500 and something they were projecting people were going to pass away in Oregon, they've dropped it down to, you know, on that peak day to five. Right. Seven, and 70% decline in Washington over projection. So I thought to myself, you know, what if things were to get dramatically better, and yet we still have all this stim these stimulus things in the pipeline? Like, are they going to dra drag this out in order to kind of justify all of that stuff? Yeah. You know? 
You know, I mean, like pragmatically, so that the states can still have access to that those billions of dollars, like by continuing to consider it a, you know, statewide emergency. I don't know, but I think anything is possible. I also think I was thinking this morning, and not to get political here, it's possible that a lot of this stuff was just a political stunt, just to keep things copacetic for the election, just the same way the 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 daily briefings are. Um, just yeah. to make it look like some people are getting help. But I find it interesting, ironically enough, that this is all a little bit of a taste of forced socialism out there. And, um, <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think same lines. And I honestly, to answer your question, I would say I don't discount anything as potentially being possible. Those people are capable of anything. Yeah, no, and uh, we've learned that uh, we can't just assume that things are the way they're supposed to be, that we understood them for years. That's not the way things are have happened and are happening. I think starting with 2008 and then I started seeing that. So, all right. So, all right, Nate, I'm sure you have things to do. I sincerely appreciate it. I, you know, I've been holed up here. Um, I'm in a good spot. And I spend a lot of time on the phone, but yeah, if someone gets me on the phone, I tend to spend a lot of time. So I didn't want to. I've always liked talking to you, and I've always liked the connections we make frequently over the years. Well, you and I are like that—the types of friends that don't see each other that often or communicate that often. But when we do, it's like we're um, we're back to the we're back to the. you know, we're at the Cameo Cafe again. <laughs> exactly. We have to do th- we have to do that again, and we got to do more than that too. And I want to come. I was once going to come see your band play, which is you know a drive-in from Manzanita. And I think, ah. or, or then I had asked you about playing at, at a Portland Food Adventures event, and you had indicated, well, it might not be re- it, you might not be it might not appeal to my Portland Food Adventures audience. I think that was what you alluded to. Those weren't the words, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Just at the end of November, we played a completely sold-out show at the Doug Fir. I mean, 350 people. And then that was just at the end of November. And now looking back at those pictures, I can hardly believe that that was a reality. Like, all of these people crammed assholes to elbows together to watch my band play. And I'm on stage looking at these people with no social distancing. I'm like, was that real? Right, well... Months later, it seems completely abnormal. Well, you'll do that again. Let me quickly tell you, because I've been telling a few people, and I'm trying to put together an email to my the podcast people in Portland Food Adventures now describing this, but I'll tell you what I've been doing, as long as there are people listening, and you are at least. Um, I have a Chromecast, that, and I have a lot of albums in my Google Photos, so... I don't have the TV on any longer, other than to watch like Better Call Saul, or I've watched every episode oh, wow. of Cash Cab there is because that's really good background. <laughs> it's good background TV. It's trivia and it's yeah. kind of fun. But yeah. what I do is I just stream or cast the photos from the last ten years to my TV, and oh, I'll that. I'll sit in my chair and listen to music or do, read or screw around with my phone and look up and all day long or all month long all i see are images of happy images in australia in italy in spain right down here on the beach at events in portland in the studio with podcast guests and it makes me it feels so good to know okay life outside this is a moment 
and it may be hard and it may be tough, but it's not going to be forever. You had a good life and this should be coming back. Will you, Absolutely. you'll be able to be, um, you know, on Las Ramblas and Barcelona again, you'll be able to be here and there and with these people. And it really has been way better than watching CNN or MSNBC like, or any of that stuff. Like the, it's like the past you created has become the dream screen for the future you will be. That's, that's a good way of putting it. I'm going to use that. Can I use that? It's so true. And you know, because we're friends and other people are listening, but I'm just going to say to you, you know, 10 years ago, before I started Portland Food Adventures, I was losing my house. I had nothing to do with the food industry. I had an ad agency. And if you, someone would have told me while I was going through my severe depression, oh, don't worry, Chris, in 10 years, exactly 10 years, you're going to be talking to uh, a guy from Pips Original, who's your friend, uh, on your podcast, um, and you're going to be traveling the world, and people are going to come with you to eat dinner with Portland, or eat meals, and travel with Portland chefs. I would have said, what chefs? And are you kidding me? And also, what's a podcast? Ten years ago. Right. It's just incredible how much, and you know, I don't think I work quite as hard as you do, but I, so much has happened in that 10 years. It's really incredible. So the reason I bring that up is it makes me realize, okay, we're in another one of those situations, and who knows in 2030 what those pictures are going to be and what we're going to be discussing. Because the future is mostly abstract because you can plan for a lot. But as we're seeing right now, for a lot of people, the best laid plans go out the window when something like this happens. So, but I mean, one of the questions in all the interviews we've had is, you know, what do you get? Where do you guys see yourself in three years? Where do you see your business in five years? And you know, I tell people, I don't do any projections. I live the future and how I live the present. And I believe that the future is made up with, is simply made up of the intentional choices that you make in the present. So every single day we're building the future by the actions that we take and the care we take for people in the present. And that's has come to be so true now in taking care of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people over the last eight years, the way that brought value to their life. When the future came calling and it didn't look so bright, there were a million shining lights out there waiting to lift us back up again. Yeah, that's great. I've had I've had some very positive responses from my trip customers too who are understanding and you invested in them yeah so um it's uh really interesting times and you're right i have the podcast has changed its focus and i hope to get it back we have a number of podcasts in the can that we recorded and haven't run yet but we thought it was a little inappropriate or odd to be running you know an interview with philippe boulot talking about his his trajectory to, to, to the week before COVID-19 hit, hit us. Uh, and so all of a sudden, I'm not going to ask you, and I, w I probably did. You've been on the podcast before. I'm sure I asked you where you saw yourself in five years because I, I ask that often. Now I wouldn't ask anybody that. Oh, I'm sure I gave you the same uh, exact answer. Live, into the, live the future that you want to see in the present that you have in 
the day that you are existing. Well, there, that's an assignment for everybody to go back and listen to that um, that previous podcast with you. And in the intro, I will indicate what number that was and how to go find it. I'll tell you, you'll hear a lot of consistency between what we were talking about, whatever that was, five years ago, and what we're talking about right now. We haven't really shifted our perspectives. We are just stubborn bastards that way. I know. I am sure. I don't know every word of the 45-minute podcast, but I can certainly <laughs> remember the uh, the general content and the theme and, and your, you know, the, the way you are and the way you operate. So it's all there. So, cool. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. It's always good talking to you. Yeah, it's great talking to you. I hope to see you and share a donut or a, a, an omelet at the Cameo Cafe soon. <laughs> or both. You know what? Let's live large. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could even come up with some more ideas, too, I bet, too. So, that, that's great. I love you know, it. Or, or Kim Jong-Grillin or La Magna. There's so many good places we're all looking forward to getting back to. Absolutely. Yep, with all our hearts. Thanks, Nate. You and Jamie, take care of yourselves. Thanks, Chris. You and your family as well. Yeah, your family too. Everybody. So thank you. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. This has been Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson. This podcast is supported by Zupan's Markets, the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group, and Ringside Steakhouse. Zupan's Markets. Let them take care of dinner, introducing their ready-to-heat meals. And it works pretty simple. If you order online by noon, you can pick up the same day between 3 and 7 at your local Zupans. They'll even do curbside pickup, where you just call the store when you arrive, and they'll deliver it to your car. Uh, Lots of options, including roasted salmon, vegan black bean, pork, and chicken tamales, roasted chicken, meatloaf, as well as a picnic dinner. Uh, Each meal serves four, comes with a variety of sides, and then you can do some add-ons, wine, beer, dessert. Uh, Just order online, zoopans.com. You can support the Toro Bravo Inc. restaurant group by ordering takeout at some of their locations or by simply purchasing a gift card to use later. You can find out which restaurants are open for to-go orders and get those gift cards at torobravoinc.com. Ringside Steakhouse, a Portland institution for over 75 years, is looking forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, you can purchase gift cards on their website where they're now offering bonus gift cards. For example, if you purchase a $300 e-gift card, you'll receive a $50 bonus dining gift card. And with the purchase of a $500 e-gift card, you'll get a $100 bonus dining card. You can get full details at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right